0: Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for stopping by, Robert Land, with co-host RG Seal. Not too much action locally this week. The storyline nationally, though, was supposed to be the Super Bowl, but Anthony Davis's agent pulled the rug from under Darth Vader Goodell. He's finally had enough of gumbo and beignets he wants out of the Crescent City, RG. And I know your neighbors out in L.A., have been waiting for this longer than they wait for a parking spot out there.
1: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, in Los Angeles has already started to line up outside the Staples Center and look for the Anthony Davis jersey as a Laker. So, yeah, I mean, this is huge news. The Lakers, ever since Magic Johnson came on board, ever since Rob Plinka was appointed GM, ever since LeBron James got to town, it's been... Who's going to be the second superstar to go along with LeBron James? And lo and behold, here come the New Orleans Pelicans with the news that, oh, yeah, Anthony Davis wants out and he wants to be traded. Remember, there was all that talk and you love Hollywood gossip. I know you do. At the very beginning of the season, when uh, Anthony Davis was coming into town with LeBron and, oh, it would be so nice to play with Anthony Davis. So. You know, definitely the Lakers have set their sights on it. And what's interesting is that you know the longer that this goes on, if it goes on until the summer, then more teams can jump in. Conceivably, you know the the Boston Celtics can offer their big package this summer. Right now, they can't offer like a, a Kyrie Irving in a trade, correct? And then you have like uh, you know these other teams that are out there, like the Knicks. Perhaps they get a first round draft pick, and that turns out to be. Uh, I mean, uh, the number one overall pick that turns out to be, you know, for Zion. So then you can say, okay, uh, I'll I'll deal that to New Orleans. So, I mean, there are all these things that could happen during the summer right now. The Lakers are trying to press or trying to move right now because it would be most beneficial for them before other suitors jump in.
0: And we'll get to the Kyrie stuff in just a bit. But we we could tell you that, you know, the Rockets might not have a whole lot of hope of being involved in a deal. Uh, I'll get into that in just a bit. But if I'm taking bets, I've got two big takeaways just to start off with. The first one is we are one week away from the trade deadline. I don't see any way the Pelicans make a deal before the deadline. And I'll explain that in a sec, which leads me to number two. Anthony Davis won't play another game this season for the Pelicans. They'll sit him the last 30 games. They've pretty much taken him out of their pregame video. So, you know, forget about seeing Anthony Davis. It's almost like, you know, half of a season of his gets erased and, You know, for those who don't understand why he won't get traded before the deadline, the simplest explanation is this. Boston has the most assets to give up with their combo of draft picks and young players, but they can't trade him uh, until July when Kyrie becomes a free agent because of his contract. Kyrie becomes a free agent at that point. Uh, Meanwhile, the Lakers might not honestly want to do this deal because If they want a big three, and RG, you can explain this maybe better than I can, but the best way for them to do it is to sign a free agent this offseason prior to making any deal for anybody because that way they can get three max guys in the fold. It might be hard without that.
1: The converse to that is we've seen with the Lakers over the last few years where you had like, okay, you can go out and get Paul George, get him traded to you, to the Lakers, and then be able to sign him. And the Lakers said, oh, no, we can sign him in free agency. And we know what happened when he went to Oklahoma City, and he ended up signing with Oklahoma City. And then you had the whole, well, Kawhi Leonard's from Los Angeles, and, you know, don't have to trade for him either. Uh, He'll eventually come here in free agency. Well, he's been traded to Toronto. He likes it in Toronto. And, in fact, the Lakers might not be his first choice. If he does come to L.A., it might be the Clippers. So, you know, what Daryl Morey has always tried to do, getting back to the Rockets, is, you know, he's always tried to get Generally speaking, stars like what he did with Chris Paul or he did with a James Harden, go out trade for them, bring them in. They'll like the Rockets' culture. They'll want to sign long term. And guess what? Both of those guys did. Uh, you know, and with the Lakers, it's been more well. When you get to free agency, we'll be able to go out and sign these guys, and they'll be attracted coming to Los Angeles playing with LeBron. I'm sure that there's going to be some big name free agent that does. The Lakers have a history, at least, you know, when they had they got Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, of, of somebody, you know, coming a huge start coming to Los Angeles. It's still a big market. It's still the, the, the NBA's glamour team. But, you know, it's not the sure thing that it was in the past. We've discussed this before. Now, at least having LeBron James there, there's going to be somebody that comes, but it might not be Anthony Davis. And if that's the guy that they want, that's why the Lakers are just drastically right now. That's why they've acquired all this talent. That's why they've acquired these assets is to be able to deal for a superstar to to be LeBron's number two.
0: I've heard other teams, you know, how they might be able to put together a deal. Uh, if I were the Pelicans, you know, you, you listen, you know, I I know they want to wait for that Celtics package to come this summer, but you listen. And for instance, what if the Thunder, what if the Oklahoma City Thunder and you mentioned what happened with Paul George? What if they shook, shook up the world and said, here's Russell Westbrook and Steven Adams and we'll take Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday off your hands? The Pelicans then wouldn't have to rebuild like they would in some of these other scenarios with the Lakers or the Celtics. You know, they wouldn't be getting all these young guys. They'd still have a superstar. They'd still be competitive. The Thunder might still, you know, they could could become a legit title contender with this deal while undermining the Lakers at the same time. And, And you get him in the fold for a year and a half while he's still in his prime, 26, 27, or whatever, 28 years old, whatever it is. I mean, that is at least a legitimate offer you can make, I mean, you can't go to the Pelicans loudly and do that because you don't want to hear Russell Westbrook, you know, you don't want him to hear that in case he gets upset if it doesn't go through, but to me, if I'm the Thunder, that's one of those deals, and if I'm the Pelicans, that's one of those deals where I would at least think about because... You know, if you're the Pelicans in New Orleans, you don't want to have to rebuild or your team might be in Seattle in a few years if you wait that long. I, that's just an idea that
1: I had anyway. I, I just don't see that happening because of what Russell will. I mean, I know these days that, you know, we saw Blake Griffin traded from the Clippers after. Oh, here, we're going to hang your jersey in the rafters someday. And then the same season, they basically uh, deal him out a few months later. You're talking about what he means to
0: Oklahoma City, because, I mean,
1: I could see the fans being
0: upset. And then about two games later, what happens is uh, he, he throws up a, tw- a 40-20 game, Anthony Davis does, and they go, Russell who? Who who, who was That's, that again? The other
1: thing is Russell Wilson has signed there for years. He's signed long-term deals there. He likes Oklahoma City. You're taking a gamble trying to get Anthony Davis and say that in a year and a half he's not going to leave. They Oklahoma. took a gamble with George, though, like we just said. They, they did, but they already had Russell Westbrook there long-term. And they, he's have, got- they have Paul George there long-term. Well, no, I think he signed a three-year deal, if I'm not mistaken, didn't he? Yeah, but that's, I mean, that's these days, that's, an no, mean, but I mean, but Russell Wilson signed, I mean, Westbrook. I keep saying Russell, Russell Westbrook signed that, uh, you know, a, a long-term multi-year deal. He's been in Oklahoma City since the beginning of his career. He's, he's talked about being a lifer at Oklahoma City, and, and, and the fans love him. And, and they are a championship contender this year. I mean, they're one of the championship contenders in the West. I mean, uh, we always when you have Russell Westbrook and Paul George and, like you said, Stephen Adams. I just I just don't see that one happening more because of, look, let's look at this honestly, right? Okay, true serum, I'll be told. Like, why does Anthony Davis want to leave New Orleans? He has put into his time there. He knows he's not winning. But where does he? where did he sign with? Clutch sports, right? That's LeBron's agency. Yeah, but he's got he's got no say at this point. Well, but I mean, if, if he if he is going to, at a certain point, he's going to be a free agent. So he can say, I'm not going to sign a contract with your team, just like he said, basically the same thing in New Orleans. Yeah, and Oklahoma City, in the meantime, might have a chance to win two championships. They might, but it's a, it's a market that he probably, if he has his druthers, if you're Anthony Davis, you can go to Los Angeles or you can go to Boston. You can play with LeBron in Los Angeles with the Lakers. Or you can, or you can go to Boston with Kyrie Irving and the Celtics. Mm, you know, because both those teams want you right now.
0: In two years, LeBron James might we might start seeing that decline. And this is the longest he's you know missed, I think, in the course of his career. This this uh, I, I
1: just don't. I, I mean, you might be right. I might be totally wrong and wake up tomorrow morning and the, the stunning headline that Russell Westbrook's been traded for in a package for Anthony Davis. But I just don't see that. I see him either going to the Los Angeles Lakers or going to the Boston Celtics. Or maybe if a team like, you know, the New York Knicks gets the number one overall pick and they want to jump into it and, you know, bring along Kevin Durant, that type of deal or the Los Angeles Clippers. Let's not forget about like Jerry West and what he's building over there and trying to do and, you know, the allure of a market like that, you know, being able again, the Los Angeles market, New York, Boston. But I think that probably that's what And it is kind of a shame because when you have these smaller markets, I mean, that's why right away I do like Oklahoma City. You mentioned it. I don't want to see Russell Westbrook necessarily go from there because, I mean, he's been great for the community. He signed there long term. He wants to play there and win a championship. He he brought Paul George after they traded for him. He convinced him to sign and stay there. So that is so it's just like that, you know, you in San Antonio for all the years with Duncan and winning championships. But it,
0: it still it still comes down to my, my point being, it still comes down to. Look, the, these guys, they're always, like, ticked off after two or three years. You, you're never going to go, well, oh, good, I get this guy, and I get him for six years because – or five years or whatever because that's the longest contract that you can sign. And, and a lot of times, you know, two or three years in, you, you know, you're not close to a championship, and then they, the, the one guy starts to gripe. So, And if you're this, uh, you know, smaller or medium-sized market, you go, I'm just going to offer them the best package because the Pelicans don't care. They don't care where they send them. It doesn't matter to them. And and the team that gets them, they go, we got two years to put together a squad around it, but at least we get Anthony Davis. We get the marketing. We get the money that he brings in. I, I just don't say, I
1: haven't heard that one at all. I just don't see it. And again, like maybe you're, No, um, I'm, just,
0: I'm, I'm throwing out just like an idea.
1: Maybe you can see into the future and you have a crystal ball there. I just don't see it.
0: Like I said, there's been literally no rumor about this. I, I'm just giving you like, if if I was Oklahoma city and if I was new Orleans and look, if Milwaukee can figure out a way to put together a package i'm not saying that they can i don't think they can but if you know if anthony, if anthony davis gets there and and you're all of a sudden he's like man it sure is fun playing with giannis and, and he's going to be uh, you know they're about the same age and and he's going to be around for a while and he loves milwaukee and maybe giannis can convince him they become best buds and whatever i mean y- well, you no, just that, never know. that
1: that would be a that would be a good but in the, the scenario is kind of that at least with 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 the uh, some of the ones that been mentioning here like, he wouldn't have to destroy that Celtics team to order to to get, like, Anthony Davis because of the picks they have. I mean, even the Lakers, I mean, the guys that you would be trading, whether it's Lonzo Ball or Kyle Kuzma or Brandon Ingram, they have, like, high upside, but they aren't superstars yet.
0: Yeah, that's the other thing. You just, those three guys you just mentioned, I keep hearing about, look, are, are, we, not, are we sure that those three guys are ever going to be in? I mean, I'm not seeing it, and, I, and everybody's like, oh, they're so young, they're so young. But, I mean, look, we Donovan Mitch, I mean, we start – look around the NBA. Luka Doncic, we, we got young guys that, you know, they're, they're, they're already superstars or they've already turned themselves – or we see it coming. With, like, Brandon Ingram and, like, especially Lonzo Ball, I, I just don't get it. Like, what – what? why should I be, like, super excited about Lonzo Ball? Well, I don't Lonzo understand. Lonzo
1: Ball, more of the thing right now would be be the injuries that he's had and sustained memory before even coming into the season, he had that – uh procedure and was out for a period of time and wasn't available to be traded and then of course it just here recently went back and is out for 4 to 6 weeks and and then you Kyle Kuzm has been since his rookie season he's made he's only been in the league what a year and a half now he's done a very good job i mean so i think he has a high upside Well he's
0: 24 25 i don't know how much better that he can be he needs to get a lot better defensively too i mean that's well,
1: That's part of it. But, I mean, these are young players. These are guys that are, you know, 19, 20, 21 years old. So Kuzma's 24. uh, But, I mean, for the most part, I'm saying, you know, the Lakers players here, they have, you know, guys that are, are young, that are still developing in their first, second seasons in the NBA. So it's hard. It's hard to kind of like you know, I mean, again, you're, you'd you'd be buying for more of the long term on on these guys. If you're the New Orleans Pelicans and you're trying to, yeah, you're looking at different packages, what the Celtics might have because of their draft pick, a lottery draft pick. And, and, and then all of a sudden you throw in like, you know, one of their players along with it, maybe a Jason Tatum even, well, then that's a better package. So, I mean, yeah, New Orleans is going to take that, but I'm, just saying that you know the Lakers do have a collection of, and don't underestimate what Magic Johnson and, and Rob Plinka are able to do in three team trades or whatever they might be able to swing they 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 are determined to win to add superstars in Los Angeles
0: yeah I, i'm just saying like if i'm New Orleans and, and you can get something that's pretty decent you, you would like to if number 1 if you're going to do a reset you want to do it quicker rather than wait longer. Number two, you know, if you can get somebody that could not put you in a reset mode, because if you're in New Orleans and, and that and that market and that community that, that wouldn't even show up for Anthony Davis, I mean, you, you want to do it as quickly as possible or, you know, you know, you know, the franchise could be in jeopardy. I mean, w- what about the Rockets RG? I mean, Daryl Morey, can he get it done with the combo of Gary Clark, Isaiah Hartenstein, uh, 10 first round picks and the rights to Sergio
1: Yule. Is that enough to get it done? I forgot about the old Sergio Yule. Is that, that contract still there? Maybe this will finally be the off season that that happens. You know, when you're looking at kind of what the Rockets are going to do, Daryl Morey, we know he's always a several chess moves ahead. A week from now, we'll probably be talking about some type of trade. Tom and Fertitta said this past week, still determined to win a championship. They're looking to win a championship. They pushed all their chips in on the poker table uh you know they're they're trying to win right now so what they are able to do what kind of magic what kind of smoke and mirrors we'll we'll see next week but know that the rockets have been trying to add big man depth they've been trying to add three and d guys wing players shooters i mean they're continually looking to improve this team
0: yeah i just don't see i mean i know people are trying to figure this out my friend ben dubose over on locked on rockets he's like well you know Clint Capella, Eric Gordon, it, but it's not like you know even he's admitted uh, it's not likely to happen. Yeah, Capella would be obviously the the big the biggest name that you could put in that deal, but Capella's really as great as he's been. He's only as good as James Harden has made him, and like James Harden's made made everybody else. And and speaking of the Pelicans, I mean Jesus, I mean they they ran out there uh, a G League team that was just you know it, it was the ghost of jaleel Okafor and drew holiday and there was guys on there that i follow the nba and i feel like i know what's going on and i've never heard of these guys and the rockets lose to them. i mean that was a ter- that's it goes goes down with the cleveland loss this is the worst loss this season rg and i don't even think it's close when they got blown up by cleveland i thought that was bad but losing that pelicans lineup. up Uh, the other night. Oh my God, that was awful to watch.
1: It was. And they let the team, I mean, they had it, they had a big lead and they just were never able to put their foot on the Pelicans throats. They left the the Pelicans in the game and they're just kind of in the third and fourth quarter, the Pelicans, you know, you leave a team hanging around, you don't get rid of them early and you're at home and they start to gain confidence. They ended up winning the ball game, but you also have to look at it too, with what's happened with the Rockets a couple of the, And you mentioned Clint Capella being out. I mean, and you were right. I mean, I'm looking at ways for, even though the Rockets signed Kenneth Freed, been a very good pickup for them. He is a rebounder, a hustler. He gets points, but I mean, still they're lacking that rim protector. They're lacking that defensive presence and you have seen against a couple of centers, Joel Embiid and what you mentioned with Okafor there, they've just totally gone off on the Rockets. I mean, that there's just been no way to stop those guys. So if you have a really good big guy, especially now coming up with like a Rudy Gobert, stuff like that, uh, I mean... But the Rockets are going to have some real problems. That's where not having Clint Capella. You know, you can go with the smaller lineups. You can do different things. But they've just got to be able to outscore teams. They've got to be able to – and Chris Paul, I mean, you know, maybe hopefully he can get – but, you know, he doesn't look like the superstar player. We mentioned this at the beginning of the season. And he's coming off an injury, and you have to give him time. It's too early to make snap judgments. But, uh, you know, they're going to have to have some exceptional play here. They can't just rely on James Harden scoring 40 points every night. Uh, they're going to have to get contributors from elsewhere, and they're going to have to hang in there, maybe through the trading deadline if they get somebody, but they're going to have to hang out there until Clint Capella gets back because, like you said, when he went out, he is the second most important, and I figured – uh, you know there'll be other guys on the team that could pick up the slack in the meantime and get through it and help out Harden with especially with CP3 coming back who is a superstar maybe a declining superstar but you would still think his his ball handling skills the way that he could uh, make shots that he would be able to do something at offensively but right now it's just it's it might take him a few games to get back but uh you know you just can't keep depending on James Harden to do everything
0: the other thing that bugs me is still the Daniel House deal because you you mentioned the the big guys defense but the defense has been pretty bad at times recently and and Daniel House on the perimeter and what he was able to give you as opposed to playing somebody like James Ennis who I think looks better on paper than he does look on a tv set or in an arena near you but (laughs) this just I mean it just it matters not to have House and, you know, they need to do something to improve. And I sure hope they can do something with the Brandon Knight contract. And also, I looked, you know, just looking at the Pelicans, you know, they're in sell mode now, we assume. So Etuan Moore, not that he's going to help you much defensively. I mean, maybe he's okay, but, you know, maybe that's a guy who makes eight million this year, eight million next year. He's a six foot four shooter, thirty nine percent from three. That'll interest the Rockets, but I don't know if he will interest the Rockets. You got Drew Holiday, who you would think would be available, but another guard. You know they're plush in guards. You know he's he's a guy that's uh, he's not big, but he can guard some bigger guys. Maybe they could use him. The problem is he makes twenty six million dollars next year and the year after, next couple of seasons. I don't see that happening. I was trying to figure out if the Pacers have anything the Rockets want now that their season is over with Oladipo's injury. And, of course, all the best Oladipo. Just really sad for Pacers fans who already lived through this nightmare with Paul George a couple of years ago. But looking at the Pacers roster, they really don't have anybody who'd work. Tyreek Evans, he makes $12 million. He's, you know, last year his contract, he was a one-year deal. Probably too much to match for him. The Rockets maybe just don't have the pieces on that. And then they're kind of in this no-man's land because uh, the Pacers are because it's too late for them to tank for a draft pick. Uh, but, you know, you're not going to do anything this year if, the, if you're the Pacers. So I don't know how they handle this, but I just don't see anybody on the roster with them that really works for the Rockets. I mean, this Bazemore Atlanta thing is – I mean, that's the one we keep coming back to because you look at all the other teams out there that might be in sell mode, might have something to give up. They're the ones, but, you know – I. Yeah, you know, I sure hope they can do something with the Brandon Knight contract because I, I just hate like him and Marquise Chris. I mean, those, those wasting those roster spots right now when you can have somebody that's a rotation guy and when there's injuries and somebody that you can bring in. Rg, I mean, it, it would be so nice if they could. The Rockets could add somebody in the next uh, week. Somebody.
1: Well, I mean, it would be good, and I'm sure Daryl Morey. Look, the guy loves to burn his phone lines at uh, trading deadline. So, I mean, do uh, we even say that anymore? Well, I mean, run up his phone bill with his cell company, or probably has unlimited minutes, whatever. But you know, I mean, it's uh, the the guy is always looking to make deals. He's a deal maker. He's looking to find some way to improve the Rockets. You know, so they're gonna pluck somebody off a roster, I assume, because uh, Daryl Morey. Does not want to let a trading deadline go by where he doesn't do something. So uh, you know, I'm, I'm just curious as, as as what the Rockets will do. Will it be a big move? Will it be a smaller move? Uh, but we'll see. And getting back to the the Daniel House thing, yeah, I mean that we discussed this on the last podcast, but it it's it's kind of. Both the Rockets and Daniel House, the player and his agents' fault. And so I mean until it's kind of like a standoff, a stalemate, you know, both each each staring them down, you know, like the old Western dueling out, you know, who's gonna blink first. Uh and right now it's been, you know, they sent down him down to the the G League and he's gonna be there till the end of March. He's not gonna be available for a playoff roster unless he signs that one year NBA deal, which the Rockets don't want to do. They offered him a multi-year deal because so, they don't want to lose him and not be able to match him this summer. The Rockets kind of have dug themselves a hole this season because they started off 11-14 and, and and then, you know, have had the injuries and want to be able to get a home spot for the playoffs. But yeah, you let, let's forget the home spot
0: for a second. Let's just remind everybody, like, the standings and the Rockets, it's funny because they just that New Orleans game, they acted like there wasn't a sense of ur- you're you're in a sense of urgency for every single game now if you're the Rockets because now they're in the fifth spot. They're still a game and a half, you know, out from the Trailblazers, but you know, look at that the other side of the ledger. Uh, yeah, they're in the fifth spot, but guess what? You are three and a half games up on the Lakers, who will probably get going again once LeBron starts playing here pretty soon. And Lakers are in the ninth spot. So that's how close you are to the ninth spot if you're the Rockets. So yeah, you got to get your crap together. And Kenneth Fareed, by the way, looking much better than I thought he would. And he's showing some signs of doing stuff. And that was a really good addition. And it'll be much better when you get Capella back and you can bring him back for just energy off the bench for 14 minutes or you know 18 minutes or something like that. You don't have to run Capella out there for 34, 35 minutes. You can start tapering it down a little bit as you get to the playoffs and you need his energy level to be high and I like Fareed way better than I like Nene at this point who you know can play like once a, once a week or whatever it is now I mean I, you know, I'm hoping maybe that's another wasted roster spot I feel with Nene maybe they could uh deal somebody deal Nene in a package to get somebody else and do something with that roster spot it's just those wasted roster spots with the Rockets that just uh it it, it kind of drives me nuts, RG. I was gonna ask you about the Super Bowl, but the the funny thing is, and I want to bring up the Super Bowl now, coming off the NBA, because I saw like I think the first on um, the Los Angeles at the in the Los Angeles Times web edition, the most clicked articles, their top five sports clicked articles at one point this week. None of them were the Los Angeles Rams. <laughs> there was like the, Of course, the Anthony Davis, anything with the, the Anthony Davis Davis and the Lakers were like one and two, but I think Dodgers stuff is gl- getting clicked more. I Maybe everybody else around the country cares more about what's going on with the Rams in the Super Bowl than they do in LA at this point.
1: <laughs> it's surprising to me that nobody in LA cares about the Rams and that the NFL is behind the, the Lakers and the Dodgers at USC and UCLA football and basketball and even, you know, maybe if they were there with that, like, I mean, come on, this is Los Angeles, you know, uh, yeah, they're, First of all, you got the Oscars out here like that always takes place in February. And then you you have, uh, you know, uh, like you said, these other sports teams and you have the beach, you have all these other uh, activities. But, yeah, it's a shame kind of because the Rams are in the Super Bowl and any other community would be going bonkers over that. But even though they were here for many years and uh, the Rams left and, you know, they were here through the late 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, right? 80s, 90s, however long they were in Los Angeles, then they moved to St. Louis come back here. But they, you know, until I think they move into that new stadium, once they move into the new stadium in Inglewood and everybody's going to, that's going to be an LA experience. Everybody's got to go there and see it and be hobnobbing next to celebrities and be in this like state of the art stadium until that moment happens. And the Rams kind of truly launched their foothold in the city. They're they're kind of like just a tenant here at the moment, almost, it seems like.
0: My big take from uh, the past couple of weeks, the the best story going at the uh, Super Bowl press conferences and what's happened in the last week is former Texans defensive coordinator, former Oilers defensive line coach, Wade Phillips. Uh, USA Today had an opinion piece this week. Uh, The title was called LA Rams, DC, Wade Phillips, is an NFL treasure at any age. And I mean, you know what? The, the best moment for me, RG, of the whole week was, the, I say moment, was when I saw on Twitter that they had the photo where Wade Phillips shows up and he's got uh, Bum's jacket and Bum's uh, cowboy hat. And he honored Bum Phillips with by wearing his old jacket and his cowboy hat. That was the best. I mean, that was super cool. I mean, you know, every... Oiler fan, love that one. But just the way that he carries around, you know, his dad, and you feel that connection because it connects you to, obviously, with Wade to the Oilers, but we don't for the Texans. But, you know, he, he brings that connection that very few guys have. I mean, this is, we're talking about, he was a coordinator. He's 71 years old, RG. He was coordinator with the Oilers. It's 40 plus years ago now. Forty plus years ago, and he's been around that long, and still relates to guy. He's still like, you know, making references to like top forty stuff, top top ten musicians, and stuff like that.
1: You gotta love Wade. I mean, it's a great story. I mean, he was the uh, defensive coordinator, of course, for the Broncos and Gary Kubiak. So he finally got a Super Bowl ring, which was great to see. And uh, yeah, he does have a lot of experience, one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL. And uh, I saw the same picture that you did dressed up in the old uh, Bum Phillips coat and cowboy hat. So it'd be great if he wears that in the—but Bum Phillips never wore any of that inside a dome. Remember, he never wore the cowboy hat inside a dome. Took that off. (laughs) So— Because the gentleman didn't wear a cowboy hat indoors, right? So that was where he wore it outdoors. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting Super Bowl for me turning to the game. I don't know about about you, but I mean, at least when the Patriots are in a Super Bowl, it tends to be a close game. Hopefully, knock on wood, that happens again this time. Because I think it would be great if we could at least see another like exciting, down-to-the-last-second Super Bowl. Especially after seeing these two overtime games for the uh, NFC and AFC Championship. It's just nice to have these competitive football games where you're holding your breath until the last last second of this.
0: Well, I mean, the Patriots are in it, so it usually goes down the last second with them. But I brought up Wade also because I think he's going to play a big part in this game. I mean, he couldn't do anything with Tom Brady and the Patriots when we, he was with the Texans. But, you know, he's got keep Tlaib, who knows the Patriots a little bit. You know, you right. got Aaron Donald. And to me, that, that that's the most uh interesting part of this whole game strategically is – Aaron Donald and Nagamagansu, all those guys in the middle, because if there's one way you can screw with Tom Brady, we've noticed over the years that if you get that pass rush up the middle, he has problems with that. You know, he's not a scrambler. Right. He's not a guy that's going to run outside the pocket. He, he starts seeing stuff when the Texans have had success against them. We've seen that's what they do. So yeah, that the Wade Phillips is going to play, play a huge role in this game. And I think that that's the only way that the Patriots win is if Wade can get that, figure out a way to get that pass rush early. He's got to do it early. Don't wait. Don't, you know, don't think, oh, we're going to wait. And keep it close. The, the Bill O'Brien, we're going to keep it close. And we're going to, you know, the Romeo Quinnell defense. No, 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 no. You, you need to start uh, blitzing, pushing up the middle, get get pressure up the middle, make Tom Brady, get some hits on him, make him think a little bit. You know, he, he might burn you once or twice, but who cares? Like, if you forget about it if you can't get him uncomfortable. Forget about it. Forget about it.
1: Right. I mean, that is the recipe, but it's easier said than done. And he's seen everything and he can tell, like, I mean, Tom Brady's an offensive coordinator out in the field. I mean, he's the best quarterback. Maybe the uh, now he's the GOAT, uh, the greatest of all time, potentially. And, you know, I mean, when he's out there, I mean, he sees things that only other offensive coordinators and coaches, maybe Tony Romo up in the booth, see. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, so that's that's kind of like who you're matching wits with down there. But you're right. I mean, yeah, with Aaron Donald, the Makanan uh, you know, you get that pass rush and you, you get in Brady's face and rattle his cage, but he's just so quick. Now he gets the butt rid of the ball quickly. So, I mean, even you, are not there in a couple of, I mean, he's already thrown the ball or he recognized that can make the adjustments. I also think offensively, look, the Rams have been explosive offensive teams, Sean McVay, you know, brilliant offensive mind. That's it got Jared Goff there. They've got the, I mean, Todd Gurley, is he going to be healthy or not? He wasn't a factor really against the saints. Uh, and I mean, to to me, it's going to be how explosive their offense going to be. They're gonna be able to throw the ball to Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, those type of guys, and, and get that passing game going that they're known for, and and be able to score early. Because when you get ahead of the Patriots and make them play from behind, to that always helps. So then you can you know start making you know Brady force you know forcing him, like you said, blitz, do that. But you, it's better to do that with a lead than if you're you know, behind. We've, we've seen that with the Texans too many times where Tom Brady gets the early lead. We saw that with, uh, you know, against the chargers. I mean, they just got that huge early lead and they were off to the, remember the chargers had a really good pass where they had one of the better defenses in the league the whole season. And, and, and new England got off to the early lead, ran the ball threw the ball, boom, they're just out to the races and they slaughtered them. So, I mean, you know, the, the other thing is that, you know, the Rams have got to be able to get, you know, get on the board early in the game and kind of put the pressure on the Patriots
0: I'll pick the Patriots just because how could I I mean I'm not going to go against Tom Brady it's a Super Bowl I mean what what do you want me to do
1: yeah I mean I'd like to see the Rams win uh I'm rooting for the Rams to win but I can't I have to if picking purely from a picking standpoint yeah I, you, it's hard to go against the Patriots so I, I agree with you there
0: Kind of a bizarro world for the Texans this week. Uh, We got Brian Cushing is now the assistant strengths coach. Uh, The overtrainer can teach everybody else how to overtrain. Wait, this is
1: a guy that had been uh, suspended for PEDs, and all of a sudden, you know, he's going to be helping everybody with their conditioning and strength. (laughs) Just typical weirdo
0: Texan stuff. As long as Brian Cushing is alive, the Texans will find a way to employ him somehow. We know that is going to happen. And Deshaun Watson's throwing touchdown passes in the Pro Bowl to Jalen Ramsey, I guess, I, you know, whatever. I, the Pro Bowl, RG, can we get rid of this game? I mean, they're playing out there in the rain, and I'm sure that had every GM and coach in the NFL going, why do we have this game? Like, I don't want Deshaun Watson out there with his two ACL injuries in the past out there playing football and touch football in the rain or whatever the hell that was it's just
1: stupid i I just get rid of it already well i mean it was good when it was in hawaii because at least the guys could go out there and just hang for a week on the beach and you probably even if you were an nfl player would say yeah sure i'll go out to the pro bowl what was that running back with the patriots though that uh he like uh
0: destroyed his career his knee or something like that running in the sand what were they called, flag football or something he was playing do you remember that story like, I, I forget it's like twenty years ago or something. That that's one of the reasons why I think they don't go to Hawaii anymore because they don't want them playing the sand. But you want them playing out in the rain and fl- you pick Florida. What would you be
1: doing anyway if your season was over and you were you would be going to like go play in the sand on some beach somewhere in the world, right? So I mean that doesn't make sense.
0: The other story for the Texans this week, RG, I don't know if you saw this. Sean Ryan, the quarterbacks coach, a quarterbacks coach job for the Lions because you know who wouldn't want to coach. Stafford over Deshaun Watson. I this tells me that Bill O'Brien said, "Hey, uh, can you go out there and maybe find another job because
1: uh, that would help us a whole lot. If you just went out and find another, find another job, <laughs> who's going to be the Te- Texans? <laughs> Is Bill O'Brien going to have an offensive coordinator next year? I guess that's the million dollar question. The offensive coordinator was not going to be Sean Ryan because if it was, he would be here. He would be
0: the offensive coordinator. So that that answers that question." Uh, that's the only other Texan stuff that I think I saw over the past week before we talk some Astros RG, I just want to remind everybody that we've been, you know, putting out, trying to put out a couple extra shows for you guys. Cause, uh, it's been a little bit slower, but having fun with, uh, you know, some of the older podcasts that we had, we, I did a one, put up one with, uh, on Houston sports memories in case you missed it, you know, over the years, I've talked to, RG and I have talked to Lance Serline, Craig Roberts, Barr Dennis, and Matt Musel. So I combined all four of those guys. Some of the best moments from that, you know, where they talk about their Houston sports memories. Also, Houston Cougars just keep flying up the top 25 standings. They're now number 13 in the most recent poll. Uh, Scott and Holman podcast is a real good University of Houston podcast. And I had the host on Sam and Dustin talking about the basketball team. The football team. What's going on with you know Major Applewhite out, Dana Holgerson in. So go check out those two RG uh, Astros this week. It, it was slow, I, you know. I went out to Fan Fest and it was fun because it was actually good weather. You know, it was really nice weather. We didn't have any polar vortex at Minute Maid Park that day, so that was kind of nice. And it was a beautiful day just to like hang out at the ballpark. Just if you want to, just look at the field, sit in a chair. You know, you could look up on the big screen and you see uh some of the astros players doing interviews with the fans and stuff like it It was a you know it's a fan fest is always kind of cool but you know it, it started you get that itch a little bit you're like oh yeah i'm about ready for some baseball right about now it's it's you know we're still a we're still a few weeks away but pitchers and catchers what's it like in three or four weeks or something like that
1: so always the middle of february so i don't have the exact date with me i don't have the countdown clock like some some do <laughs> but uh you know, I, hey, I want to ask you, I mean, I, I know the big thing to come out of FanFest were, well, there are a couple of things, but one was uh, Justin Verlander being asked about a contract extension. He said that the Astros haven't approached him. He hasn't approached the Astros, but he'd be open to an extension. So, you know, is that something that you was looked-
0: it, Was that a question that you asked Justin Verlander? Don't you ask Kate? I mean, isn't she the, <laughs> doesn't she run that family?
1: Of course, yeah, his wife, Kate Epton, the supermodel and actress, and definitely will have a say, as she did when he uh, said, yeah, let's go to Houston and let's prove that trade. So I'm just curious, as far as you go, though, I mean, the Astros are not known under Jeff Luno uh, as far as like extending guys who are in their, you know, mid 30s, especially in today's baseball. The Astros are very value oriented. In fact, Jim Crane mentioned that they put a. You know everybody's kind of value oriented in baseball these days, but to me, this guy's the exception. This guy is the Nolan Ryan. That's where I hope a Nolan Ryan kind of in the is in the office and a Craig Biggio, those types, the old school guys that say, "Look, this guy just kind of defies the odds. Look what he did last year." hey, I had the same thing happen to me with John McMullen Yeah, they,
0: I, I was about to say, like, John McMullen thought I was too old and when I was 39 years
1: old. And, exactly. So it's good to have Nolan in the in the office. But I was just curious for your thoughts. It, a, it, maybe two questions for you here. Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole are free agents. Do you have a preference for which one you would prefer to sign long? Uh, you know, even let's say long term, meaning even just for, uh, you know, an extra two, three, four. Well, with Justin Verlander, it would be a shorter, shorter contract. Would you rather have Justin Verlander for a shorter duration, more annual average dollars? Or would you rather, you know, sign Garrett Cole to one of these, you know, six, seven year deals like a Patrick Corbin signed?
0: I hope it's not if or and I mean, I just, you know, or if or or well, the
1: Astros might not. They might lose both.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I that. that yeah, that could happen. But. I would hope that they could figure out a way to get... You know, you want Garrett Cole. I mean, when you got a Garrett Cole and he's whatever, mid, mid to late 20s, as long as he's enjoying it here and they can get him... At not some stupid, like somebody doesn't come in like the Yankees or Dodgers with like, oh, we're going to give them $300 million
1: over the next 10 years. And that might happen. There's the Philadelphia Phillies, too, that have stupid money to spend not only this year, but in future years, too.
0: Yeah, Verlander, I that that's something where, you know, if you could get Verlander for two or three years, at, uh, even if it's a, you're paying him a lot of money, it's worth it just to keep him around. Because the, the thing about Justin Verlander is, you go, okay, well, Justin Verlander, you know, what What if he starts to decline? What if something starts to happen? But if it's two or three years, it's not that big of a deal. The other thing about Justin Verlander is he's a guy that just – it's a ripple effect through your pitching staff. He's somebody that everybody goes to, and he's a guy that – he's a leader on there. It's its like a Jose Altuve. When you, you sign him, you go, man, that guy, not only is he great, but he does this thing across the organization where – he knows how to play. He knows how to win. He knows what to do. He knows what to tell the younger guys. He is a leader, even maybe more so than Altuve is, and I—that's I, a value of itself. So you know, I, I would definitely want to bring back Justin Verlander. You know, you don't obviously—it's not going to be anything crazy, six, seven years, but if it's a short year deal. You know, even at a pretty decent sized money, uh, yeah, he's a guy I definitely want to bring back without question. And Dallas Keichel, that's going to go in their decision. Because the, that's the other thing that's been going on is, you know, you talked about it last week. And then Jim Crane, you know, followed up by saying, hey, yeah, we, we still are, you know, interested in Dallas Keichel. And Jeff has refused to rule it out. And, you know, that's something that you want to consider. Because if you sign Keichel for, Th- two, three years, even if it's at a smaller value, you go, well, that's money that I could be putting into Justin Verlander or Garrett Cole next year in, in, in uh, extension, or not extensions, but in, in, in new contracts.
1: That's why it would be, if they could, like if Justin Verlander was open to an extension right now, the problem with the problem with Garrett Cole and is he's represented by Scott Boris and who are a couple of the guys that this, again, this off season, like who's the guy It's still unsigned, who's the number one free agent. Now you can either say Manny Machado or Bryce Harper, but Bryce Harper's a Scott Boris client. Scott Boris client, I mean he had JD Martinez last year too, correct? He was a Scott Boris client. Waited until we Dallas Keuchel's a Scott Boris client. Marwin Gonzalez is a Scott Boris client. All these guys are unsigned. He he likes to test the free agent market. So if Garrett Cole would say, okay, okay, to a six-year deal, he's probably not going to. And then you got to wait and wait and wait and it gets hard for general managers who are trying to assemble and construct a team and you're trying to figure out who I'm going to have who you know at least this season you know going into the offseason why the Astros are still a powerful team is because you know at least well we don't know what's going to happen with Dallas Keuchel but he's essentially a third starter because we have Garrett Cole and Justin Berlander the Astros didn't have those two guys it'd be extreme panic mode right now be the, the the red alarm sounding so I mean if if they could get Garrett Cole to sign before he walks in free agency, but that is unlikely. And the hard part with Justin Verlander is that, you know, he's at a point in his career where he did finally win a World Series, and it might be more about, like, what LeBron leaving Cleveland for the Los Angeles Lakers. Justin Verlander lives in Southern California, has a home. Maybe he because of his wife, you know, and her career in New York and L.A., maybe he wants to be in a—you a, a, know, spend his last few years pitching— in one of the bigger markets where or in Southern California where he has a home and the Astros that's out of the Astros control. So if the money's all equal, or if it's just not enough that to nudge him over, if he doesn't want to continue playing and, you know, I, again, there are a lot of things, maybe he wants to continue playing with the Astros. He loves it. He, it sounds like he does. He loves the guys on the team and everything. And then you can work out an extension for an extra two or three years. And then if he wants to pitch, you know, into his forties and, you know, California or New York or wherever he can go then, but I would love to see him with the Astros. That's why, to me, he would be the guy that, you know, I'd, I'd look to get. I mean, both guys. I want both those guys. But I'd, I'd already be putting out feelers right now if I was the Astros. And maybe they are. I don't know. We don't know. These things are all behind closed doors. We're not flies on the wall. But, you know, I would be trying to extend one of those guys. Because the problem is, let's say it's almost like the old musical chairs. You keep moving them around. And then where does the music stop? Well, you know, Lance McCullers will be coming off arm surgery, you know, next year, the Tommy John. So he's uncertain for even for the 2020 season. Uh, You don't know about like what happens with Dallas Keuchel. Does he potentially come back to the Astros sign a free agent deal elsewhere this summer? Or excuse me, this winter. And then you have, you know, Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole potentially walking. Charlie Morton's already left. And I mean, I know you have Forrest Whitley, what you were saying before, like Justin, Winter, Justin Verlander would be a great mentor for Forrest Whitley, but you can't all of a sudden say, well, he's the the guy that's going to be, you know, all of a sudden the ace, even, you know, when he's barely, you know, maybe pitches, this is his rookie season, pitches a couple of months and then is back next year or Josh James or whomever, you know, you're going to need to have that veteran presence on the staff, at least a couple of guys. And Colin McHugh's also a free agent after the season too. So, I mean, you're looking at a bunch of Astros, uh, who who are going to be hitting the free agent market.
0: I I didn't hear a, a lot of what you just said, RG, because I've been texting back and forth with Kate Epton. I'm trying to figure out what the hell's going on here. Uh it <laughs> sounds like we need to talk to her because it's that that's the decision maker and that, that's what we're gonna what's gonna happen with Justin Verlander. But yeah, it'd be great if they could get I mean I just yeah, I just say, let's get it all done. Let's do it all. Let's bring
1: in Keiko. Let's do Well, we're not Jim Crane's paybook. Hey, let's play a pay for it all. Let's go do it. Let's get all these guys in here, right? <laughs> yeah, get well, give me Jim Crane's book and let me see
0: what I can do. I, I'll get a, an accountant in here and we're going to work on things. And, uh, you know, it's it, it, we can figure it out. We'll, we'll figure it out somehow. You know, I, I don't know. Uh, between me, I'm going to bring in Daryl Morey. I've, I'm going to bring in Daryl Morey's people. We're, we'll figure out some way to... To do all this and but, but it. isn't
1: it kind of crazy like how baseball is its off season I mean like just mentioned I mean Bryce Harper is still unsigned and it's like Super Bowl week and Manny Machado is still unsigned it's Super Bowl week Dallas Keuchel you know one of the top free agent pitchers still uh, that, unsigned th-
0: that's why I said with you know when this the off season began you know we you talked about well. I don't know, Keiko's going to get this much and Marwin's going to get... I said, man, and in, in this market, we saw last year what happened. We saw it. We just witnessed it. We were like LeBron James uh, and Cleveland. We were witness. And you saw what happened. And those guys weren't going to get the money that they thought that they were going to get. It's like, you know, it's the like just in, in our society, we see the disappearance of the middle class with what's going on. It's the disappearance of the middle class in baseball. It's like it, the big names are still going to get... Great dollars usually, but the middle class guys—you
1: don't know. I mean, it's—I well, still think the Bryce, like what you're saying. I still think the top guys, like your your Bryce Harper and your and your Manny Machado, they're gonna get. Yeah, and, and Dallas
0: Keuchel and Marwin Gonzalez—they're not those guys. They're they're totally the middle class guys. And the middle class guys, all of a sudden, you look up and it's like, oh well, they only got you know eight million a year, or ten million a year, or something like that for two years, and you know you just, you just don't. You don't know what's going to well, happen. The thing now.
1: is all organizations are because of the, you know, I mean, they're all like when the Astros were doing this and doing the the teardown mode, you know, in 2012 and 2013 and hitting rock bottom. I mean, they were kind of, the, you know. Hey, just let's just tear it all down. Now, everybody like the Cubs and the Astros did that. Now, everybody in baseball does it. They all kind of follow. They all have the huge analytics departments in their front office. They've all followed the Billy Bean model from Moneyball. You know, I'm seeing there. Everybody's doing the same thing. It's a bunch of, you know, it's like Hollywood where you have copycats. You know, as soon as there's a hit show or a hit, a hit song, it's like, well, okay, well, we'll just, re- we'll just take from that and, you know, do the exact kind of, you know, the same, but different. Right. You know, so I mean, but all of these, all of these you know baseball teams they all value they all analyze players and contracts the same way and then there are a lot of teams that are frankly just out of it you know they're they're not going to compete next year so they basically like you're, you know the 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 Miami Marlins you know they're not going to compete next year so they're not that free agent player you know you have uh, like the Texas Rangers when they opened their stadium, but right now they're not going out and spending the big dollars. It doesn't seem like, you know, the Giants have been big players in the past, but right now they may be going through a rebuilding mode. Arizona, remember they signed the big Zach Greg contract. Now they're rebuilding. So, uh, you know, you have these these teams that, you know, ordinarily uh, would be out spending money and they aren't because everybody kind of follows the 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 kind of the credo of the baseball of the day of, of today, which is, you know. Go out like go, Jim Crane said. You got to like look. Everything is looking through, and uh, you know what's the value of this? What's the value of this player? What's the value that we should be assigning to this? And that's why I at least like what the Cincinnati Reds are doing this this off season because they're a team that like you know they could really just have thrown in the white t- uh, uh, you know the
0: yeah the white towel yeah white towel it's a, it's still called the white towel. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, Yeah, but, I mean, they could have thrown it in because, I mean, you look at that division. I mean, Milwaukee, uh, you know, just on the cusp of the World Series last year. You have the Chicago Cubs, you know, a couple of years. I mean, they've been dominant team in the NL. You have the Cardinals, who just traded for Paul Goldschmidt. I mean, enthusiasm. I mean, Cincinnati could have said, okay, yeah, we're tanking for another year or two. No, they've they've gone out. You know, they traded for Yasil Puig and Alex Wood, that big Dodgers trade. They got out and, you know, traded for Sonny Gray. I mean, they're actually trying to make a run for it. of like that again i mean i love i love the astros model after we won a world series from it it was miserable for like those years that we lost over 100 games and you know had zero ratings on the television it was it was terrible to sit through and all that but it was worth it for the world series trophy but now that every team's doing it everybody's copying the astros i mean come on try something different you know try try to do something that you know think outside the box
0: Hey, before we close it out, RG, do you have time? For, we got some shout outs we got to do for a couple of uh, Houston Sports Talk fans. Are uh, you familiar with uh, Dorchester, Dorset in England? Are you familiar with it? Because you lived there for a few months,
1: right? In England? And I went to school there and stuff like that. So Yeah,
0: you were in school. And so uh, we got uh, Jackson, or no, no, this is, I'm sorry. This is Ben. Ben listens to us from uh, Dorchester in Dorset. And then also we've got, uh, another friend of ours from Melbourne, Jackson, who listens to us on a regular basis over there. i
1: Melbourne. It's a great city, and they just had the Australian Open there. We didn't even mention that. And uh, Djokovic winning over Nadal again. Another win for the Joker. And I tell you what, RG, uh, Melbourne,
0: there's some players from Melbourne in some different sports. You, you know some
1: Melbourne natives in the NBA and the NFL? Can you name some? Melbourne natives in the NBA, uh, it would, uh, it's kind of slipping from me right, right now. Who are some of the ones there? Well, there's this guy named Ben Simmons. I think people have heard okay. about him.
0: Uh, <laughs> Matthew Della Vadova, Dante Exum. Uh, there's a punter for the Seahawks named Michael Dixon who can kick the crap out of the ball. He's pretty good. He, he's one of those guys that played a, an, another sport over in Australia. W- what's that called again, RG, the, for, for all Americans that have no idea what I'm talking about?
1: <laughs> but You got you have rugby and you have Australian rules football too. Don't forget about that. Yeah,
0: I think was it was it rugby or Australian rules that he he kicked? I think he was, I think it might have been rugby, but it, it, it could have been Australian rules. But yeah, there's you're, we're starting to see some of those guys come over from Australia. But yeah, shout out to Jackson and Ben listening. One of them over the pond and one of them down
1: under. That's pretty cool. We we got that kind of reach. We're 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 worldwide now. We're worldwide, baby. Well, that's good. I mean, if you found out there were aliens listening to us on another planet or something, that would be that would be really newsworthy. You'd really go viral then. Well, I'm going to go back
0: uh, into my Anthony Davis watch. I've got to really be staring at uh, Woj on Twitter for the next few days, so I'll be doing that. RG, you're going to be in Los Angeles where people may or may not watch the Super Bowl. They might just uh, go look at Anthony Davis videos on YouTube as opposed to going to the sports bars and checking out the okay. game, I assume, right? Exactly. So, yeah, that's all we got for this one. Uh, Good to talk to you. We'll be back uh, next week. More good stuff. Uh, Looking forward to it. Rockets, come on, guys. Let's stop losing the Pelicans out there. Pelicans? You're losing the Pelicans without Anthony Davis? What? (laughs) Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. Give us a five-star review on iTunes when you get the chance and tell your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.